what's going on. They speak of hope and they speak of taking courage and also clean hands. So, pretty interesting. Okay, if you have your Bibles with you, turn over to Psalm 52. Psalm 52. And uh, I just have verses 7 through 9 in in the bulletin there. I'm going to go ahead and read the whole psalm. It's not very long, but we are going to be speaking about verses 7 through 9. I'm going to go ahead and give you the whole, verse, whole psalm in context. Psalm 52, starting at verse 1. Why do you boast of evil, you mighty man? Why do you boast all day long, you who are a disgrace in the eyes of God? Your tongue plots destruction. It is like a sharpened razor, you who practice deceit. You love evil rather than good, falsehood rather than speaking the truth. You love every harmful word, O you deceitful tongue. Surely God will bring you down to everlasting ruin. He will snatch you up and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous will see and fear. They will laugh at him, saying, Here now is the man who did not make God his stronghold, but trusted in his great wealth and grew strong by destroying others. But I am like an olive tree, flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. I will praise you forever for what you have done. In your name I will hope, for your name is good. I will praise you in the presence of your saints. I don't know if y'all remember the uh, VeggieTale cartoon shows or not, but back in the day, Kim and I uh, used to really enjoy them. Even before we adopted Brooke, we would watch these cartoons. And, and you know, they were really cutting edge for the time, and they always had a great message related to God's Word and God's way. And uh, one of the episodes, one of the shows I really liked, was the story of Madame Blueberry. And, and she lived in this tree house and, and she was surrounded by all of her many items of luxury, but she still wasn't happy. She wasn't content with what she had. And, and so she compared what she had to everybody around her and her state of life to everybody around her. And, and one day, a stuff mart, take that for what it is, opened up down the road from her house and the and, and so she rushed down. She began to buy everything they had in the store. And her car fills up item after item after item. And, and she reflects, you know, now that I have all this stuff, it's just going to make me happy. And while this is going on, she meets two little children who teach her a valuable lesson that she really doesn't get at the moment. The first was a little girl who was homeless and living on the street. And it's her birthday. And the only thing she can afford is a piece of apple pie and some oatmeal. But she's happy with that because that's what God has given her. And the next is a little boy who thinks he has to have the newest toy model train. If he had that, he'd be happy and content. And his daddy tells him they just can't afford it. And so he gives him a ball instead. And, and the little boy doesn't sulk. He doesn't throw a tantrum. And after a moment, you see him happily playing with that ball, grateful for what he's been given. So seeing them, Madam Blueberry starts to realize that happiness and contentment don't come from having more and more, but from recognizing God's grace and giving us what we have. However, just as she's starting to realize this, 
the stuff mark workers show up with all that stuff that she had bought and they start delivering it to her treehouse and it becomes overloaded and just crashes out all over the, the neighborhood, destroys her home and destroys everything that she has. So the little boy takes in the little girl and Madame Blueberry into their home. And she's brought in, even though she has nothing left to her name, she finds the peace and the contentment she's been looking for all along. And I thought about this story this week as I went into the stores. And as I saw the pictures on the internet of, of just the craziness that we were talking about. You know, people buying and hoarding hand sanitizer and toilet paper and all these other items because of the coronavirus scare. Um, I mean, seriously, who needs hundreds of rolls of toilet paper to prepare for the coronavirus? And, and the bigger thing that was just getting to me this week is what effect is their hoarding going to have on other people? We got a friend, a single mother with two kids, and she gets a check from the government, comes in on the 15th. So every month on 15th, she goes to town and she buys what she needs, all the groceries she needs, all the supplies for the next month. And, and now what's she going to do? When she goes to town, and all the shelves are bare, and basic necessities are gone, all because people are thinking of themselves and not others. Now, I think it's prudent to prepare for an emergency. You know, the Bible tells us that. Proverbs 30, 25 says, Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summertime. And, and what that means is, the implication, we, we, we're supposed to work diligently, consider the future, and store up food in the summer for the hard times to come. However, at the same time, the Bible warns in the parable of the rich uh, fool from Luke 12, that we're not to hoard riches or put our trust and hope in them, that we're not to be greedy in this way because that keeps us from hearing the needs of those around us and it shows a lack of trust in the God who provides. I mean, why is it that we tithe? You know, we're supposed to bring 10% of our first fruits to God. Why? Do you think God needs our money? No. God's showing us we can depend on Him. That if we trust Him, He will provide and make up that 10% that is missing from our check. Ephesians 4.28 emphasizes the need we have to share what we have with those in need. It says, you must work doing something useful with your own hands that we may have something to share with those in need. So there's a fine balance there between being prepared for what might come and, and sharing our resources with others as they have need versus being greedy and hoarding riches to the point where we start to trust only in them and our sole goal is, is to provide for ourselves and not for anybody else. And with that in mind, I was led to this passage in Psalm 52. And, and I got this really early in the week, which is, which is interesting. And, and it reminds us of what's important in times like this, times that we're facing as a nation with the coronavirus epidemic, pandemic that's going on, of who we should be putting our trust and our hope in during these times. Now, these verses come from a psalm that David wrote 
And it happened at a time when King Saul was hunting David in order to kill him. He's trying to take his life. So David had fled from Saul, and he'd gone to the town of Nob. Now, Nob was one of the towns that had been set aside as a town for the priests. It's where the priests and the Levites lived. And, and so David sought refuge there. And he went to the priest Ahimelech, and he said, we don't have any food. We need food. We need resources for him and for his men. And the priest didn't have much to offer. In fact, the only thing he could offer was the consecrated bread, which was on the altar before the Lord. But Ahimelech still gave David all that he had. He said, take the bread. You need it. And God will understand. Well, all of this was witnessed by Dov the Edomite. So Dov left there and went back to Saul and told him what he had just seen, how Ahimelech had helped him. And when Saul learned about this, he ordered the priest and all the inhabitants of the city of Nob to be slaughtered. This psalm is David's indictment of Dov's evil actions that led to the slaughter. And it's an expression of faith here at the end that shows us how we should be living. So we're going to look at the last three verses in this psalm. And see, you know, what do we do as Christians? How do we prepare for these times like we're in right now? So look back. Let's read verse 7 again. Here now is the man who did not make God his stronghold, but trusted in his great wealth, and grew strong by destroying others. Now, Dog was not an Israelite. He came from the country of Edom, which bordered Israel on the east side, so the other side of the Jordan River, where the nation of Jordan is right now. And he had found wealth and power in Saul's kingdom. He, he had risen up to a place of honor. He was Saul's chief herdsman for the nation. He had grown rich financially, but he had not become rich morally or spiritually. There's, there's an indication here that he did not believe in God or worship God. Now, earlier in this psalm that we just read through, David said that Dov was an evil man, and, and God was eventually going to bring him down to everlasting ruin because of what he had done to Nob and to God's priest. And here in verse 7, we see the root of his actions why he acted the way he did. He didn't put his faith and trust in God. Instead, he trusted his great wealth and he grew strong by destroying others. It was all about what he could gain for himself. He didn't mind stepping on the toes of others or hurting them if it meant that he could get ahead, even to the point of having an entire town slaughtered just so he would be more influential in the eyes of Saul. And that's a picture of so many people in this country right now. That's what's been revealed this week by that extreme hoarding we see going on in this coronavirus emergency. That is indicative of a problem. It shows the true state of their hearts. It shows a lot of people only trust in what they have and what they own. And their sole goal is to take care of themselves, even if somebody else gets hurt in the process. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible emphasizes our need for community, 
our need for each other. In the Old Testament, God raised up the nation of Israel to be an example to the world of a people who lived with Him, who put their hope and trust in Him, who took care of each other's needs and, and knew that God would provide for them. And in the New Testament, we see the church being formed through Christ. And the church was a group of believers from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds that came together as one, bearing each other's burdens, sharing resources with each other so everybody had what they needed. Well, we were just talking about this in our Bible study this week, the Bible study in 1 Corinthians. We're talking about spiritual gifts and how everybody is to take that spiritual gift and use it to build up the church, not hoard it for their own personal use. This is a dramatic contrast to those and the people like him that accumulate great wealth and they hoard it for their own use, trusting in their own strength and their own riches rather than God, even to the point of destroying others in the process of gaining riches and power. That's not the way we are supposed to live. So how should we live instead? How should we approach life? Look at verse 8. But I am like an olive tree, flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. David says here he's like an olive tree, flourishing in the house of God. Other translations have this as, I am like a green olive tree, flourishing in the house of God. Now the olive tree is a symbol of life in the Bible. Remember the first time we heard of the olive was whenever Noah was on the ark and he sent the dove out with the olive. The dove came back with the olive leaf, right? That was a symbol that life was coming back on the earth. You know, olive trees, if you've seen them, they're not tall and stately. They don't get up like a pine tree or like a live oak, but they're very long-lived. They live even up to a thousand years old. And they are dependable. They're, they're one of the most important trees in ancient Israel. They were a source of food for the people. And the people could depend on the olives to consistently produce fruit because the roots of that tree ran deep. And they found water that they would pull up. Even during times of drought, olives would still produce. And the olives were pressed. You know, they made oil with that. They used that oil in their lamps to bring light to their homes and their families throughout that region. So the olive tree became known as a symbol of God. And it became known as a symbol of those who knew and trusted God. The oil was used to anoint people for ministry. Whenever a priest was brought in, they would anoint him with oil. And that represented the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of that person. And even today, when somebody's sick, we will anoint them with oil in a symbol of the presence of the Spirit bringing healing to their life. And of course, we all know the olive branch is a symbol of peace, right? Symbol of hope, even in trials or trouble. So David says here, he is a green olive tree. It's a green tree. It's alive. It's flourishing. He's found life in the house of God. By trusting in God's unfailing love, David is alive and secure forever. He had nothing to fear. He had nothing to worry about. He didn't need to hoard resources for the future. Because God was going to provide whatever he needed, even 
to the point of giving him the consecrated bread that had been offered to God that was then offered to David to provide for his needs. Verse 9. I will praise you forever for what you have done. In your name I will hope for your name is good. I will praise you in the presence of your saints. You know, rather than praising and trusting in riches, David says he will praise God forever. His hope and his trust are in God and God alone. Have you ever noticed that, that your money has that phrase written on it? In God we trust. I don't know who put that on our currency. But whoever did that, I think, was trying to make the point that David's making in this song. Every time you go buy something and you give somebody that money, and you see that phrase, it's a reminder. That money's not our God. It's a tool. It's a resource that God has given us. We don't trust in that money. We trust in the God who gave it to us. Money can't save you. Money's not something to trust in. We saw that the last couple weeks as the stock market <laughs> failed significantly. A lot of people lost their minds because of how much money was lost. But God wasn't lost. He's still on his throne. You can't depend on money. Money doesn't deserve our hope or our praise or our trust. Instead, it's God that we trust. And every time we make a purchase, we should be reminded of that and thank God for everything that he has given us and for the opportunity to use the resources he's given us wisely. David didn't trust in wealth or in power. Instead, he says his trust is in the Lord and in God's unfailing love. And he praised God forever for what God had done in his life. For God's providence and protection in times of need and in times of danger. David had seen God rescue him and provide for him and protect him many times in the past. He praised God for his hand in God's life. Remembering God's mighty work in the past gave David hope for the future. And he says here that, that he will hope in the name of the Lord. In other words, he'd seen what God had done in his life in the past, and because he'd seen God do that in the past, he could trust and believe that God was going to do it again. Not because of David, not because of anything David had done, but simply because of God's love, simply because God was good, and because God would take care of his people. David's life was an example of praise and trust in God rather than in wealth or power. David's life was an example of praise and trust in God no matter what he was going through, whether it was a good time or a bad time, whether he was in danger or whether he was living in a palace. So what do we do when times are bad? Where do we put our hope and faith and trust? I mean, do we worry just about ourselves? Do we hoard resources and put our trust in Him so that we're going to survive? No matter what else happens here, we're going to survive even if those around us suffer. Or do we trust in God and we put our hope and faith in Him even though we don't know the end of the story? We don't know what's going to happen with this virus. We don't know what's going to happen in hurricane season. We have no idea. So what do we do? I want to close. I want to share with you a story from Jeremy Begbie about a 
a worship service he attended in South Africa years ago, a little bitty, poor South African township. And I'm quoting his story here. He wrote, I was told immediately before the service that a house around the corner had just been burned to the ground because a man who lived there was a suspected thief. A week before that, a tornado had cut through the township, ripping apart 50 homes. Five people had been killed. Then I was told that the very night before, a gang hounded down a 14-year-old, a member of the church's Sunday school, and stabbed him to death. The pastor began his opening prayer. Lord, you are the creator and the sovereign, but why did the wind come like a snake and tear our roofs off? Why did the mob cut short the life of one of our own children when he had everything to live for? Over and over again, Lord, we are in the midst of death. As he spoke, the congregation responded with a dreadful sighing and groaning. And then, once he finished his prayer, very slowly the whole congregation began to sing, first very quietly, then louder. And they sang and they sang, Song after song of praise, of praise to God who in Jesus had plunged into the very worst to give us a promise of an ending beyond all imagining. The singing gave the congregation a foretaste of the end. Christian hope isn't about looking around at the state of things now and trying to imagine where it's all going. It's not about trying to calculate the future from the present. It's about breathing now the fresh air of the ending, tasting the spices and sipping the wine of the feast to come. How do we live? We live in hope and in trust of a God who loves us and protects us. Hope comes when we trust in a God who loved us so much that he sent his son to die in our place on the cross of Calvary. Hope comes when we trust in a God who knows our future, even when we have worries and doubts. Hope comes when we trust in God to provide for us, whether it's in this life or whether it's in the next. Hope comes when we trust God enough to praise Him, even in the storm. Now, like what St. Francis of Sales wrote, do not look forward to the changes and chances of this life in fear. Rather, look to them with full hope that as they arise, God, whose you are, will deliver you out of them. He is your keeper. He has kept you hitherto. Hold fast to his dear hand, and he will lead you safely through all things. And when you cannot stand, he will bear you in his arms. Do not look forward to what may happen tomorrow. Our Father will either shield you from suffering or he will give you the strength to bear it. With that, we're going to close in prayer. And we're going to choose to praise God and to trust in God and put our hope in him rather than in our wealth or in power or even in hordes of toil. Let's pray. Father God, we come together now and we just lift you up and we just praise your holy name. Lord, we don't understand everything that has happened, but we do know this, 
that nothing is happening that hasn't passed through your hand, that you are still on the throne, that you are still King of kings and Lord of lords. And Father, we ask that you would help us to turn our eyes to you in this time of need, that you would help us to put our trust and our hope in you and nothing of this world, that we would not hope in riches or in anything we have, but our hope is in you and your eternal love. Father, give us wisdom. Give us words of wisdom that we can share with those around us. Let us be your light. Let us be your green olive trees. Let us be the ones that the world looks to for answers during this time. Help us to be people of faith people of praise, and may everything we do in the days and the weeks ahead not show fear, but show trust and hope in your name. For it's in Jesus we pray. Amen. Ms. Nell, would you close us out?